0: Welcome listeners to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love, hosted by Richard Osler. My guest on today's podcast, I'm kind of a fanboy whenever I have um, this person on the podcast, mm-hmm. is my friend Al Caraway. Welcome to the podcast, Al.
1: You are, I, I am elated to be here.
0: <laughs> um, Al has got, Al is just somebody I've always appreciated as a Latter-day Saint. She was on episode 114, that's over... 400 episodes where she talked about more than a tattooed Mormon, one of her books that continues to be a top-selling book. Um, She also talked about Cheers to Eternity. And we're going to talk today about two new books that Al's written that I wanted our listeners to be aware of. Um, One is called My Dear Little One. So I think that's a children's book. It's an Amazon number one bestseller. And another one that's Especially with the New Testament coming up, Finding Yourself in the New Testament, which is also a number one bestseller. So you continue to write. How many books have you written, Al? Oh, you know, a few of them.
1: With Just Me, because I tagged him with a few other authors on a, a several titles, but Just Me, it's um, six.
0: That's great. So you've written more books than you have children.
1: I, that is true, yes. Tell- I did three books in three years and then three books in three months. So wow. we, you know, different seasons.
0: <laughs> to give, us a, give our listeners a little update on your personal life. I think most listeners would know you. You joined the church in 2009, but tell our listeners where you live and how many kids you have and just kind of your life.
1: I live in New York. I was born and raised in New York, spent a lot of time on the West through a few different states, but Ultimately ended back in New York and I have three kids and a husband and a dog. And, you know, I do write and I do speak, but I take a lot, you know, the things that bring me the most joy, the same amount of joy is also being like a hockey mom and I'm on the PTA and I uh, volunteer at a hospice house several times a week and those things bring me just as much joy, you know, hockey mom and the soccer mom as putting out a book. So I'm doing that in our little corner of upstate New York.
0: Tell her, when people think of New York, I think a lot of us go to Manhattan and skyscrapers. Tell us about upstate New York for anybody that's not familiar with that area.
1: You know, we pay the same taxes as New York City, <laughs> but it's very different. <laughs> I am about a half hour away from Palmyra, all of the Palmyra sites. Uh, less than an hour from Niagara Falls, I live right on the beach—a beautiful beach of Lake Ontario. So Canada's on the other side. It is extremely green; you cannot go anywhere without an abundance of trees, um, and it is frigid and dark for a very long winter season. And it is severely different than uh, New, York C- uh, New York City. New York
0: City. My experience at Upstate New York is beautiful, so it's really cool that you've sort of intentionally decided to be there. And what are your kids? What is the age range of your kids for our listeners?
1: Eight and six and three.
0: And I see them on social media, and you have a beautiful family. Um, you and Ben are doing such a great job as parents, and I love your very multi-dimensional Al. You're um, not just a writer and a mom, and and but you. The hospice thing is really interesting. I'm reading a book about better supporting people as they age and f- why this is kind of a tangent, but why do you volunteer at hospice? Um, that's just
1: something I felt a pull towards. Uh, I am someone who is extremely intentional and I am just overflow, flow overfilling with, with self love. And so, um, I kind of take that with anything I do. I want it to bring a passion and purpose to me and my soul. And there's just this White House that always, always, since my childhood, had this big banner of saying volunteers needed. And I ran by it every day. And I finally looked it up. And it was hospice. And I had no idea. But I just kept thinking about it. And so I just walked in. And the whole thing is run by volunteers. No one gets paid. There's no full-time nursing staff um, that's there. And so I, I just, I don't know, something that rings in my mind is go, um, you know, being a light to them that sit in darkness. And I tried to uh, be intentional about that with anything I do in my life. (laughs) And so I don't know, I just felt a pull there and I've learned so many things, um, yeah. You know, everything from changing depends from people who have no control uh, to move their body at all. And I don't know, I've learned a lot of medical things, but really, I'm just there to be a light to, to anyone who needs it. And I just felt that they might need it. So I'm there and I, I love it.
0: It's really cool. It's It's an interesting thing. You seem wired to be open to explore new experiences and serve in new ways and follow promptings that are unique to you. And I think that's part of your ministry and our faith is, <laughs> is people.
1: Yeah. People who don't know my brain. Like if you're not my husband, I come off as very impulsive because I'm just, yeah, I'm like, oh, why, why wouldn't I do that? That's kind of my mindset with a lot of things. Why not? Why not do that? Why not go there? Why not talk to them? You know, I don't know.
0: Now I think from social media, I've seen you and Ben running races. Have you run half marathons or marathons or was that Ben or you or both?
1: Both. That's us. Although not that great at it this year, we still did it. And I got my worst times ever. We, we just picked it up last year. We're like, let's do something we've never done. And let's make sure it's hard. (laughs) (laughs) Actively sought it out. And we chose, we just both chose running and we ended up running. Yeah. I ran four half marathons in four months. Wow. And we did some this year too, although not my best time because I got out of shape from writing books. But but we did it anyways, and I we really love it.
0: It's really not cool. good at it. <laughs> I love that you do that together, um, listeners. I how was somebody when I first started tweeting kind things about LGBTQ people and started the podcast? How was somebody? Um, pretty famous in our faith culture, in our culture, our whole faith, and somebody I always admired, and she was kind to me and it helped me and maybe even retweeted one of my tweets. And I thought, well, there's other Latter-day Saints that want to be kind to LGBTQ people, but I just want you to know, Al, that was about four or five years ago and I've never forgotten that and how much it meant to me. and, And I just sense you're doing that for lots of people and you just have this kind way of lifting and helping and creating space for people. So thank you.
1: I hope so. Absolutely. I remember following you for forever ago to nothing. I don't know. It doesn't make sense for people to not. It just, it doesn't, I don't even need to think about it. I wish more people, I hope we can get more people there to not even think about it.
0: I agree. Tell, talk about these two books. Which book do you want to start with?
1: Oh, uh, it doesn't matter. We I can talk about anything. If we don't even want to talk about books, we can talk about anything. Um, the, the, my dear little one, that is my first children's book. And that was something I just did for my daughter when she was at the time turning two. I wrote it as a birthday present, just what I want my soul, <laughs> it was my soul to my own daughter. Um, and my family, they're not religious. Um, they're, they live very different than I do. And when they read it, they, they all cried, all of them. And I'm like, oh, you know, I wonder. I wonder if there's something more to this than just me to her. And I sent it to my publishers. And this was something I've never been more surprised about in my life was the response and success of this <laughs> children's book I wrote for my own kid.
0: And um, it's it's the number one release in multiple areas. Um, so I recognize the reach of this book is very broad and is being read by a lot of people. Tell us a little bit more about the book. I love understanding the backstory. Tell us more about the book and even the artwork <sighs> on the book. I'm looking at the book artwork.
1: Oh my gosh. The book, you know, you could have a really great book, but if the artwork's not there, it'll lay flat. And the art in this Um, the illustrator, she lives in Ukraine and she was actually doing this while her neighborhood was being bombed and destroyed. We actually went two weeks without hearing anything from her and it was terrifying but wow, she is just so good. She brings this beautiful, whimsical you know imaginative thing and so every page is like a stanza of a lesson that I think is most important. And it's for every, in my mind, like every season, all the different seasons that we go in as we get older and go through the unwanted and the unexpected. And so I just told her that I wanted each page to really portray the different seasons and places of life that we end up in. And so each page is a different whimsical world that she's built around. And it's just I think phenomenal. She I could not have envisioned it coming, you know, the artwork coming out any better. Yeah, and each page is a just a different world for each season that we're that we're in. And so I touch base on just I don't know, things to remember and things to know as we go through different seasons of life. That's essentially what this book is about. That's great. I should probably pull it out and look at it, huh? Talk about <laughs> it better. <laughs>
0: Um I love that. I just love the artwork. It's that's crazy that your artist is in Ukraine and fighting for her life. I think you said she's a woman and I'm glad she's okay and this is beautiful artwork.
1: Yeah, and so this was like yeah, it beat out Jimmy Fallon for like weeks. It was number 1, not just Christian, which was a big deal, but it was the number 1 new release for all new releases on Amazon like That's it huge. was just i it was wild <laughs> this whole thing is wild and i just feel like although this is definitely christian themed like it is just i don't know for some reason touching the mo- the responses i'm getting are people who are in their 50s and 60s saying like wow, I wish I knew this now in my life. (laughs) Like It's just, I don't know. It's just a good, it's just been really good. It's been um, super humbling to see the reaction to this even now.
0: Talk a little bit about um, some of those things that 50 and 60 year olds are saying to you that's in the book that they wish they knew now.
1: Well, the page I just randomly opened up to, it says, and if you ever second guess and wonder why he made someone like me, God makes no mistakes. My dear little one, he made you perfectly. Um, My dear little one, you'll make mistakes that put you on unstable ground. No matter how long you have traveled in the wrong direction, you can always turn around. So it's just... Wow. Yeah, if you're ever feeling small from error, remember your God is unchanging. Even with our mistakes, my dear little one, his love for you is unwavering. And when you feel your weakest and all you've done seems wrong, my dear little one, with humble strength, the Lord will help you along. Anyways, so it's, it's kind of that vibe.
0: He will always vibe.
1: be deserving to receive simply because you are his. God is the creator of the best gifts, my dear little one, and he freely gives. I don't know. I feel like it could... I don't know. I don't know.
0: (laughs) I love you reading some of the book. If you want to read more, please read more.
1: I could read the whole thing if you wanted. (laughs) I don't know if my publishers would like that. Uh, Yeah, uh, let's see. Let me open up to a random page towards the end and we'll just finish it out. (laughs) Where did I leave off? Um, Sometimes life storms may seem too big, too loud, or too long, but the sun always rises. You are always gods and you'll always belong. No matter what may happen, you have a God filled with mercy and grace, which are actually my daughter's names. So that's what if you ever or if you may feel lonely, my dear little one, he stands ready to embrace Um, and through it all life is beautiful, blossoming and vibrant. Even with ups and downs, my dear little one, God brings better things into alignment Though things may be hard, God is good, even when our situation is not. So embrace it all, my dear little one, and give it your best shot. So that, I obviously didn't read the whole thing. There's other ones, but yeah.
0: That's just, there's a great spirit about that. I feel it through the podcast, and I'm just kind of staring at the artwork, thinking of this little one that's on a tree limb, kind of moving uphill. I don't know if that's intentional, kind of, I can't quite make out the artwork, but it looks like, this little one is moving forward.
1: Yes, always moving forward. Um, my One of my favorite pages, the artist, she's not a Christian. And um, we had a conversation because she didn't know how to portray um, following God or this interaction with God um, that's woven throughout the whole thing. And so you'll see in this artwork, the, um, do you have the whole book in front no, of you? You I just see just printed these out little- the cover. Oh no. Okay. I should turn my video back on, but I don't, I don't wonder if it's going to screw with our um, audio again, but, um, and for the times, my dear little one, you feel no one understands. God has given you his perfect son who has you in his hands. She's standing on this beautiful cliff that's in the shape of a cupped hand. Uh And so, and, and she's surrounded by these golden orbs and, and it's just, she's literally following these, light like little orbs of beautiful bursting light throughout this whole book and it's super symbolic she did she really um problem solved in in profound ways
0: that's just terrific and um i yeah we'll link to this in the show notes listeners as i'm reading this and i know it's geared as a children's book as you read that i thought of people of all ages um obviously the principles and the understanding about our heavenly parents and the role of Jesus scale to all of us. So, and I love the way it's simple, Al. The more I'm in the gospel of Jesus Christ, um, the more simple it gets. And the way you read those, those are just core gospel principles that give us a way forward. So you have a gift.
1: You know, that actually is a good segue into this New Testament book because last year... Around summer, I like was struggling. I was struggling with so many things. And you know when when you see your friends, I'm sure you know, <laughs> when you see your friends hurting mm-hmm. and and you see your friends having a hard time and 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 they're trying to navigate everything. And you're trying to navigate everything. And there's so many different things happening in so many different areas and arenas within. The gospel and, and everything else. And, you know, like I just, I was so weighed down by it all. I was just, I was having a hard time. I didn't know how to respond to my friends in the church hurting. I didn't know the best way to respond to a lot of the confusion. And between the confusion and plexities, like I really just felt. I don't know. I just was struggling with it all. I didn't know how and the best way to move forward with it all. And I really did spend months, what I now label as a, at his feet, trying to navigate it all. And after every day of months, just just struggling <laughs> with the confusion and complexities, God answered me in only two words. months and months of me, you know, reaching out to him in almost desperation and confusion. Um, He responds in only two words, and it was more Jesus. And I think um, as I have really leaned into that answer, that's kind of really been the redirection and answer to almost everything I'm seeing. That's like the answer and response to almost everything. You know, I speak, I have a uh, North American Northeast area calling. I spend a lot of um, Zoom meetings every week with Area 70 and Good. stake presidents and, and um, things that they share that, you know, the youth are struggling with and things that they're seeing and things that are being talked about. And there's such a, what I'm learning even you know, not just with youth, it's just with everyone. There's kind of like a disconnect or a, you know, just a needed refocus on those simple things of him. We are not fully understanding or investing the time in understanding his real character. And I think if we do not learn and understand his real character, then then it's so easy to be overwhelmed with with everything else. And so I took his response of more Jesus very literal. And I wrote an entire book on the life of Jesus. Everything from, you know, I spent time with rabbis to learn more of this deep dive study of Jewish um, tradition and culture, even way back in the days of, of Jesus times. And, and it's this whole, it's, it's all, <laughs> it's just like cannonballed nine months. Literally I set my alarm at four 30 every morning and I would stay up past 11 at night and full time for nine months did research on um, the life and culture of Jesus back when he walked the earth and, I think if we invested more time in the simplification of him and his character, then we are better able to navigate everything else. I just really believe that this is the missing piece that so many people could benefit from leaning into a little more.
0: I love that, Al. I love this is um, partly your own story, but also responding to the needs of youth and others in our church. And I love your network really the whole church and in the Northeast right now. Um, I love the word character. Talk, you're really connected with young people in our church. You're kind of young yourself, (laughs) Um, at least compared to me. But talk about some of the examples you'd use. Maybe an example of a typical question a youth is asking or a a leader is asking you on behalf of a youth and and how you answer those questions. You want to take a couple or just talk about that?
1: Yeah. And you know, what's funny. You say youth and I laugh because the youth have no idea who I am anymore. (laughs) Like like I've become a generational (laughs) (laughs) because like, yeah, I I don't, I don't often go and travel to speak anymore. Happy to do it virtual. But I, like I said, I like being a hockey mom and I'll try and do things in other ways like write or, um, you know, I'll do like church history tours and stuff. But, but anyway, so yeah, now I'll go and I'll speak to the youth, whether it's virtual and be like, who knows who she is. And I've had so many where not one hand goes up except the leaders. And you know, now the leaders are like, you spoke at my girls camp when I was a youth and that's now they have two kids, you know,
0: that's awesome. <laughs> I guess that's what's happened
1: when you've been speaking for 12 years, but yeah, the youth have no idea who I am now. And it's the leaders that are if I get a picture with a youth, it's because my mom loves you. <laughs> like, that's, that's interesting. What it is but um, you know, uh, I just just two weeks ago, I did do a virtual um, speaking engagement for uh, Stake youth, and there's q and A Q&A after, and they said, "Why do I? Why should I turn to God if I'm not getting what I want?" if he doesn't always get get what you give what you want and i you know there's a huge disconnect in that if we think we turn to god just to get what we want like we are not understanding and we are shutting out 98% of everything else that he's there for you know and and that is this renewal, this is this revival, this the the privilege to start again, that that things are not final, that this is not it. Like all of that comfort and that that hope, like anything good, including feelings, like is God. And and we just don't even we don't recognize, we don't connect, we feel like things not working out. You know, it's actually I laugh at this all the time how often we want and we almost plead for God to come into our lives more. <laughs> and then when the unwanted and unexpected come, we're like, oh, how could you, you know? <laughs> like, wow. And, 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 you know, there's a, there's a disconnect. We're not understanding the character. We want him in our personal lives. We, we feel like we don't feel him as much. We don't hear him as much, but then we don't recognize him we limit our limitless God. And so any bit of disruption, we're thinking, how could he do this to me? He doesn't love me. What did I do to deserve this? And it's just this weird, you know, it's like we're never, it's like we put ourselves in a position to never win with him because we see it all wrong and we get it all backwards. And so everything I do, I feel like you know, if you were to rewind, even when I first started public speaking twelve years ago, and you know, even more so before then, people um, had a disconnect with some of the things being taught within the church. But for the most part, from what I saw, people had the understanding. You know, I don't understand X, Y, and Z within our gospel, but at least I know that God loves me, and I and I know that Jesus is who He is. But now, what I have seen recently, even in this past year, is I don't even know that I want to know and serve this God. You know, we hadn't even made it to the gospel itself that we have. It's, it's even before then. I don't even know this God that I'm supposed to serve. And so that's where the past two years, all of my efforts has been is dissecting and understanding Him in these times you feel like you don't see Him, feel Him, hear Him and so dissecting the bible dissecting jesus and his life has really been an anchor to me for life that is absolutely unwanted and unexpected and uncharted in all my seasons <laughs> um and so and so that's kind of i don't know my starting point because how can we love and serve and hold on to him if we don't understand and and, and trust and so I don't even know what your original question was
0: anymore. <laughs> oh, you answered, you answered it. I love. I think you have a way of sort of bringing um, an understanding of where the youth are and how to answer their questions. I think that's been one of your gifts ever since you joined the church. And even though you're teasing yourself, you're not as connected. I, I think you're really connected and just have a pulse of, of members of the church, maybe in all age groups. Other examples, that was really insightful, just, uh, I want this God to do what I want him to do, and if he doesn't, and I love the way you reframe that, other examples that come to mind or you'd like to share from the book?
1: Oh, everything. So, so um, Peter, walking on the water, um, you know, in, in my 13 years of membership, I have not once sat in on a lesson where we don't pick them apart. You know, we don't, you know, every lesson, it's like we go over and over about what he did wrong and what he could have done differently. If only he had more faith, if only he, you know what I mean? And, and we start to believe that that is how God sees us in our efforts. If only you did this and that more or differently, and that is not the God that I believe in because that absolutely the adversary will come in and exploit and skew. That's what he does. You know what I've learned is it's so stupid. It's so stupid that I'm just now realizing this because it's literally written out and explained in the Book of Mormon, but the tree of life and the rod of iron. I know that the tree of life is the love of God because it tells us it is. And yet when I view it, I've always seen grabbing onto the iron rod as if the tree when i got there was a end destination it's not it's not a kingdom it's god it is literally closing our gap to god because once you get to the tree can you leave yeah you do people do all the time so it's not a finish line and the whole thing is symbolic of closing our distance to christ to to god that is that is the iron rod that is the journey is staying as close to him as long as we can. And so when I see Peter on the water, I'm able to better recognize the adversary. We pick ourselves apart, we pick our efforts apart, we say they are not good enough, we say if only we had more the more of this, I'm not I'm not, you know, but you know, all of it is to keep our distance from him. All of it is to keep us on the boat. All of it is to get us to make us Um, to feel bad about our efforts so that we stop making him. Why I love Peter walking on the water is because he's the only one that stepped. He's the only one that got out of the dang boat. He's the only one that did something seemingly impossible. And he's the only one that got closer to him because of it. And what my favorite part is, is that, wherefore didst thou doubt, O little faith, was not in response to him sinking. It was in direct response to him saying, Lord, save me. As if he is saying, of course I will. Why would you doubt that? I'm, I'm out here with you. My hand is outstretched forth still. It was not, how could you? And so, you know, the character of God is not one to say, oh my gosh, look at you. Look at that. How could you? If only you were more. He doesn't need us to be more. He just needs and wants you, any bit of you. And and so understanding that shift is, yes, absolutely more healthy, more accurate, more beneficial. That absolutely will change how you go out and act and serve and try again and start again and to take advantage of the very reason why he chose for him to be killed. Um. You know, I love the 10 leopards, the one that went back. That is, I love this man. I don't see that as a lesson of gratitude. It's its the act of going to him, even when we don't need anything. That is something every day I am mindful of. Am I turning to him regardless of the season I'm in? or Or is he just some sort of butler? A vending machine butler. I don't know. I don't want that. That's not the relationship I want. And it's not the one we're supposed to have. Limiting a limitless God is telling ourselves how he can come to us. And then when we don't see it in those ways, in this this ignorant box that we ourselves put around him, that's when the adversary is like, stay on the boat. He doesn't care. He's sleeping during your storm because he doesn't care, because you're not enough. That's just not it. He's sleeping on the boat because he's there with you and with him and with you. Um, all will be well regardless of the storm, regardless of those those seasons. You know, I'm learning that absolutely our God is not one of avoidance and prevention, but avoidance and prevention isn't the goal. You know, we think of Lazarus dying, you know, yeah, Mary and Martha, his sisters. Man, it's how many times have we been there? Like, if only he were here. This didn't have to happen. You know, I thought he loved me. If he were really here, this would not be happening. How many times have we thought that with our life and our seasons? But like, if that was avoided and prevented, mass conversion never would have happened. You know what I mean? So many things would not have happened. You can, uh, you know, Joseph, (laughs) like if he never went into the hole, into prison, into slavery, he never would have saved an entire civilization, become a leader over all of Egypt. You know, if I hadn't gone through all of my unwanted, I wouldn't have a single thing I have now. He's not one of avoidance and prevention, but he is one of greater magnifications. It's the whole, the whole point is to bring us to these better things. Uh, my favorite scripture is John 10, 10 where it's um, his whole purpose to give us life more abundant, that that is everything. Um, so I, I, I always shift my focus. If I don't see him, feel him, hear him, he's absolutely showing me what else outside of my my box. And that has become such a privilege. To allow him to disrupt my life. Like, oh my gosh, what a privilege. The unwanted and unexpected and uncharted. What a privilege to have him come in and disrupt. To allow him to come in and care about you so much that he comes in personal ways. To disrupt. To bring you to those better things. That's why he exists. Like, I just... It's all there. The pieces are all there. The resources. Him. He's all there. And it's just perspective shift.
0: I wrote quite a few notes in that segment, Al. You have a way of talking that's unique about the scriptures that causes me to think um, broader and deeper. He's not a God of avoidance and prevention, but of greater magnification, I think you said. Embrace the unexpected. Um, I love you talking about Peter and how sometimes we do pick apart. and then you said something really interesting. If we're doing that to Peter, we might be doing that to ourselves. And if we do that in Sunday school, people might think that about themselves as we pick up our Peter. And so it's a it's a vote to improve our culture by recognizing, just as you just taught, the heroic nature of Pete, Peter and what he did. And that was one of his finest moments. I also thought of something I've never thought about when you're talking about the iron rod and the tree of life and the love of God. Um, I've always, you didn't quite say this, but this came into my mind. I've thought about the iron rod, and, and I hold on to the iron rod for a long time, and it's separate from the tree. And eventually I get the tree, and the thought that came to my mind is the iron rod and the tree are kind of together. And, and feeding the lot of God is not a future outcome if I hold the iron rod for like decades and do the right thing. It's a now thing, um, and they're sort of combined. I don't know if that's okay, but... That's the one of the thoughts that came into my mind is for the first time in my life, as you talked about that, we sh- we're worthy to feel the love of God now. Um, it's not in the next life or once we've completed perfection, then we finally get there. So I love. Well,
1: Go yeah. Ahead. And I mean, that's the whole point of an unchanging God. Sometimes we're like, uh, his commandments, unchanging. Right. But, but, you know, it's love. Un- unchanging, regardless, and you know who's who. <laughs> I laugh. It's like, why am I doing anything I'm doing now? How did I come to be? You rewind 13 years ago, and I show up in Utah, and how I was treated—like it's disgusting. You know what I mean? And and here This, was, I am.
0: <laughs> this is after you joined the church, and um, how you talk a little bit about that in case people haven't heard that part of your story.
1: I joined the church um when I was 21 in New York and and you know the chapels here are different they are I've been to 48 states <laughs> and I've wow. spoke uh religious you know these conferences in in those states and um it's different it's absolutely different in the west and I wish I didn't have to say that because I love the west my friends are in the west You know, I spent a lot of time living there. It's not against that. But yeah, I mean, when I moved there, people took me personal. They would take one look at me, how I look, and they would assume that I hate the God that they love. And they were on the defense. We wouldn't even have to talk. You wouldn't even be talking to me. You just see me and you would feel defensive and they would react that way. And it was hurtful. And it took me a while to figure out how to navigate that. Um, it's a lot of actually, you know, my answer to a lot of things is, is self-love. Um, I feel like that could fix a lot of things, including your relationship with God. Um, that's a different spiel, but, but, you know, like, look at me now, you know, it's like, why am I still here? Why am I still coming up on your podcast? Um, you know, think of Matthew. Uh, you know, who's he? Who's he in the Bible? <laughs> he was. He was um excommunicated. He was excommunicated from his religion. But then he was never even fully accepted into his new realm of being a tax collector because no one even liked them. Am I talking of the right
0: <laughs> Yeah. Matthew um, the tax collector absolutely.
1: You think you think of the tax collector, yes. He is excommunicated because of such from the Jewish religion and his family. His family would have had to shunt himself from him because of it. So he is pushed out by his religion. he is pushed out by his family, he is pushed out by his entire community, but then he is not even fully accepted into his new world because he's a dirty tax collector so he is not accepted by by anyone. So then Jesus. So then Jesus He takes the the pushed out the odd the outcasted the the different the excommunicated you know and and he sees great worth in them and he calls them to great things He is he he's an apostle <laughs> like and if and if Jesus can see the apostolic need in, in an excommunicated Matthew, absolutely, he, he sees great need and purpose of you. If, if Jesus can see and use me within this LDS church, like, you know, um, then he absolutely has need of, of, and purpose of you, regardless of everyone else around you, your community, even your religion. He sees things different. He sees you different and he does things different, luckily so. And that's how it'll always be because that is his character.
0: I love how you bring things back to Jesus. I love um, you being honest with how difficult it was to be a new member of the church, be tattooed, come to Utah. And I remember part of your podcast and part of your book was being in a, a line at, I think, at a fast food restaurant and people, and maybe this happened multiple times, you could just feel the judgment eyes because of who you are. And um, I admire you working through that um, and um, and then addressing it. I think you've done a great job of significantly improving our culture. And I recognize, and I don't know if you don't come on this, the new Strength of Youth pamphlet has gone more principles-based versus checklist-based. So it doesn't have a list of, you know, tattoos aren't mentioned in a negative way. I'm not sure they're mentioned at all because there's, cultures where tattoos are part of the culture. And I think the church as it becomes a worldwide church is trying to get into a principles-based approach, helping people have more Jesus versus a checklist doesn't mean we're throwing commandments out the window. We're just, we teach correct principles and let them govern themselves. And tattoos are part of, you know, your identity. And there's a story behind tats as I talk with people with tats that is often very helpful to their life journey. Do you want to talk any more about TATS and and that experience and how we can improve a culture? I think we're called to be gathers, not sifters.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah. (laughs) I I don't know. I just feel like, I don't know. I mean, that could always just come down to two, two words, more Jesus. And I think he got lost in all of it, you know? We just people got so hyper-focused on certain things that caused a lot of confusion and hurt um and and he got lost within it all and so i mean you you keep saying i keep bringing it back to him and that's my whole point i mean people they want me to talk about men in suits at pulpits and and you know i just that's not i don't want to I don't want to do that because I just feel like we need to first bring it back to him because he's getting lost with it all. And he's the answer to it all. (laughs) Like, I don't know. And you know what? It's, it's such an interesting thing because I think people want me to have certain answers, you know, and it's hard. And and it's even for me because I almost, not that I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about certain things. I love, for me, it's like, do you ever think about leaving the church? And for me, I don't. But that's because I had spent 21 years seeking elsewhere. Like I had put in so much time and research in and contrast. And and, and, and and, you know, this is what I chose for myself. I can't imagine... People growing up in the church, not having that contrast, not feeling like they have that choice. I did, and I'm glad I did. And, and I'm here because I chose this. And obviously, everyone needs to come and make that decision. And, you know, some people are like, my child left. What do I do? And I'm, you know, part of me is like, that could be a really good thing for them right now. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like I, I would never ask someone and I would never expect, and I, you know, I don't want anyone to stay in hurt and pain. And if things, you know, like, like, I don't know. I, I don't know that I have the answer for anyone. I don't know that I would ever want someone to stay in something that's super painful, um, for them. That's just not right. And, but I do know that, that wherever you are, I do feel like the two-word answer of more Jesus can be exactly what you need with in or out of any church. That absolutely can bring you the, you know, the venting without judgment because he's he's felt that too. He can, you know, descended below all so that he could lift and below, I mean, to descend below all means he can lift up <laughs> go below and lift up and so anyone in new in need of understanding and renewal and revival and you know that your soul dancing within you in or out of the church i still believe the answer is more jesus and i hope everyone's you know can can pursue that and and lean into that more
0: tell our listeners what your sweatshirt says
1: my sweatshirt says more Jesus.
0: <laughs> um, I'm just touched by that. I think, um, you know, our, being a member of a of a church. Can you
1: see me? Can you see I my sweater? Your
0: s- sweatshirt was on at the beginning of the podcast. Now we've just gone <laughs> audio only. So I just saw it for about three seconds, but I remember it. Uh, I, um, I, th- I love one of the things that Al's saying. I think as a Latter-day Saint, often all the things that come with Latter-day Saint are good, but sometimes they deflect me just because I've limited time and attention about from Jesus. And I like President Nelson when he and her focus is to hear him. And I think the church is the scaffolding to connect us with Jesus. It's the means to get us to Jesus. And sometimes in my life, listeners, I've maybe lost focus and focused on the scaffolding or the means and have forgotten the big picture that what we're all doing here at this meeting or in this discussion or in this lesson, we're trying to help people come into Christ and hear him and, and have him active in our lives and feel the love of our heavenly parents, as you talked about in your children's book. So I love that. The clarity of that is very helpful. And what a great time to do this Al! right now with the holiday season coming up and I'm um, studying the new Testament with your book coming out. I love the title of your book and maybe you can give us just a little, uh, maybe you've already done this, finding yourself in the New Testament. there's Talk about finding yourself.
1: Uh, you know, I actually, I think uh, in all the lessons I've been in, we do a really great job of teaching commandments and teachings and doctrine, but but we almost don't know what to do with any of it. We know that <laughs> we need to repent, but no one knows what that looks like you know how many youth it's like okay i did something wrong and i know it's wrong because that's all i've been taught but now what it's almost like they're missing the the them in it all we're missing the humanized part it's like this is what we do this is what we don't do it's like okay but what what's the in between where is the how can we unlock <laughs> We're we're told that God is good, but how can we unlock that? And then and, and so anyways, I feel like, yes, we know what we should be doing. We know what we should not be doing, but but where's the in between? And I feel like, okay, so we know this and that and this, but what does that have to do with anything about me right now, in this moment, in this season, and how I'm feeling in this exact second? So, um, I just feel like the more I'd understood Jesus, um, oh my gosh, uh, <laughs> learning more about the history and culture of everything, I really like. Oh my gosh, you don't know what he went through until you really understand culture back then. Like it was, it's unbearable. Really, at every age of his life, <laughs> like it, it has always been about saving you and getting you back, and giving you everything. You were and are always part of it all. And he has never lost sight of that. He has never lost sight of you. And as I completely dissected everything of his existence... every response that he has given with the culture, understanding the culture and response and the laws that I didn't really know. Cause how could you know every little bit of the laws back then, unless you really, you know, um, holy cow. Like that, that that's me, that, that, that is applicable to every breath that I take. Um, I don't, I don't know that he just, I don't know, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm saying. I just feel so overwhelmed. It's just like learning more about him specifically absolutely gives me reason to get out of the boat, to to run like I am on fire, to give him the chance to show me how great he is, to allow him to disrupt. What a privilege to allow God to be God and to run like I am on fire. Living a life of great passion, knowing that he chose to die for me so that he absolutely could give me reasons to, to thrive and to give me these seasons to soar, to, to have these seasons with views above the clouds. It's, it's incredible the ability to soar, to have these moments that cause our spirit to jolt within us and, and dance like that. Is worth it to have the chance and power and strength to be lifted up and to be lifted out and to be brought to greater heights. That's his entire existence. Like to, with the intensity of my soul, like see it through. They're absolutely in this life, in this season of of liberating ecstasy for you uh, because you are his to allow him to disrupt our lives. Like that's the best part because what's that scripture? Thou shalt see greater things. Like everything he has done is for you in your, in your personal life. It's, it's always been about you. I mean him, he could have saved himself. He could have saved himself and he didn't because you were more important than any of that. Like what a love. I can live for that kind of love. Absolutely. It's
0: a great segment. Um, anything else? We're kind of coming to the end. Any? I'm just so moved by what you share, Al. It just resonates with my heart and soul. And I love this God that I believe is consistent with our doctrine. It's loving, kind, supportive. It's not a transaction. Um, some people talk about transactional relationships. We earn things and we get a reward. I think God is just there and he loves us and it's um, it's always there. And yeah, blessings are conditional, but his love and his support and always wanting to be there and same with our Savior. I think if we approach him like that, then we're more likely to connect with him and call, believe that they can believe in us and support us. And And I love this idea of, unexpected things are a gift from God because they're involved in our lives and want to help us grow and learn. And often when we look back, like you said, we realize the whole story behind our life story and even some of the difficult things and have faith that this is all part of our mortal journey to grow. And even our own personal setbacks and the things we're not very pleased about, that professional, personal, sin related. I think the test of life is a little bit how we respond to those and if we can move forward and and grow and become more compassionate kind and help others but give us just in this last segment anything else you'd like to share
1: oh you know your religion your community they may try to tell you that you are the exception but everything that jesus has ever done proves that wrong you are not the exception. How you are living and what you have done is not the exception. When Jesus came down on a donkey, <laughs> there's this one guy written in the in the Bible. <laughs> he didn't know who he was, right? And then he goes, "Who is this?" <laughs> and the response is just my favorite. They responded, "This is this is Jesus." And then I I always want to know that answer a little better. This is Jesus, you know, who will not meet his match with your suffering. Your impossibilities are not a struggle nor an inconvenience for him. When everything and everyone says no, Jesus says, I will, while others absolutely will fail as he comes with healing in his wings and compassion that knows no bounds this is Jesus, your Jesus who stays until you are filled and you can be whole. There is a love that satisfies. And regardless of everything else, communities even that bring pain because they have to be, you know, regardless of sometimes that too familiar dance we do with the adversary or regardless of our narrow vision and, and, you know, shift of focus sometimes like we're We're going somewhere with all of this. We will find peace to our soul. Everlasting struggle is not in God's cards for you. Right now, in this life, you absolutely are in motion to greater magnifications that will leave you to stand all amazed. That is that Jesus. That is your Jesus. And you will always be deserving because you are His. And that will never change.
0: Thank you, Al. Thank you for the work in our community and beyond. Thank you for your the vision you create in um, other people. And well just listeners, I'll um, I'll put a link to both of these books in the show notes and also to alcaraway.com where you can find more of her books and her story. And and so this is Richard Osler and Al Caraway signing off of another episode of Listen, Learn and Love.